0: Welcome to the Like Father, Like Fantasy podcast, a fantasy football podcast where two fantasy addicts, who just so happen to be father and son, talk about everything the football world has to offer. We provide masterful insight, engage in intriguing arguments and conversations, but most importantly, we provide entertainment for all and have fun while doing it. Now sit back, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody. To the Like Father, Like Fantasy podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening, giving us input, sharing it, um, all that stuff. We really appreciate all the love coming out of the gate. It means a lot. Um, So, yeah. Do you like drafting? Do you like doing mock drafts at every single position in the draft so that you're prepared for anything when it comes to draft night? When you're in seven different leagues, at seven different spots... Well, guess what? We're throwing that out the window today okay? because we are doing auction talk, auction strategy. It is something that people tend to shy away from, I would say, but in this podcast, we're basically going to give you a walkthrough into what auctioning in fantasy sports is all about, using different strategies for auctioning, uh, things that work for us. Just little tips and tricks that can help you get your confidence and get your knowledge about auctioning if you are interested in doing that.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, I started playing fantasy and running my own league back in somewhere around 1992. And didn't probably try an auction until... Maybe about six or seven years into that. And the auction format by far is my favorite. I wish every league I was in was an auction format. You can own any player you want. Um, so we're going to go through it here. For, for those of you that have never been um, in an auction league, if you're thinking about starting one up, I'm going to run through what you need to do to get one started, um, how to set it up, and then, and then we'll talk about some of that strategy That Nick was alluding to there so the way an auction works is you start with a set every team has a set amount of fake money to bid with it's your salary cap Um, the common number that that is used across the industry is $200 and I would suggest if you do start up a league that's going to be an auction use $200 because as you search for strategy out there on the web and and information Um, everybody's going to be talking about a $200 budget you can use any budget you want but when you start analyzing um, strategies that you're gonna see online you're gonna have to do mathematics to turn your 200 into 100 and vice versa however however which way you go through money so use a $200 budget Um, so you have your normal 17 16 man roster you got your 200 bucks you need to have at least one dollar to spend on every one of those roster spots so if you have 200 bucks and the auction just started theoretically you could bid 184 dollars on your first player that would leave you one dollar for the next 16 players so you always have to make sure you have enough money um, to at least bid one dollar on each of your remaining roster spots as you go through the auction the site that you're on is going to control that for you. It won't allow you to bid more than what your budget um, has left. So, uh, but just as a matter of fact, that's, you have to have a minimum of a $1 bid on every player. Um, instead of a draft order, so in a, in a normal draft, you've got your snake snake draft set, you get your number three and you're going back and forth. Well, instead of a draft order, in an auction you have a nomination order so same deal you get you get a number 1 through 12 when your number comes up you throw up a player and you have to bid again at least $1 on that player you can't just throw up a player um, with zero you have to have a $1 on there if nobody wants to bid you are then gonna own that player for a buck You can also put that player up for any amount you want you don't have to put them up for the minimum $1 you can throw them up for 10 bucks 20 bucks 30 bucks whatever you want to start the bidding at Um, and it won't snake so normally you go 1 through 12 Uh, after the 12th person puts up their nomination it goes back to 1 so it's not a snake order it just goes 1 through 12 1 through 12 1 through 12 I would suggest if you're if you're going to run your league on a site like ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, wherever you're going to run it, um, use that site for your auction if you can. Um, I know you can on Yahoo, you can on ESPN. Those are the two I'm most familiar with. Um, if for some reason you don't want to do your auction on the site that you're actually going to run your league on, there are plenty of sites out there. Um, that you can use. Um, don't know if there's free ones. I came across a really cool one, which is a you do have to pay a fee. It's called DraftySports.com. D-R-A-F-T-Y Sports.com, and you can set up an an auction there, anywhere from two bucks up to twenty-three bucks, depending on what kind of functionality you want. But there's plenty of stuff out there to help you set up your auction. It's good to be on the site that you're going to use for your league because then you don't have to worry about importing the roster into into your league afterwards everybody's already going to have the players on their rosters once you come out of the auction room so just helps the commissioner um, organize and then the last thing here that you want to do to for setup is make sure that you're only giving an owner 20 to 30 seconds to nominate a player um, if you make it any longer than that if you say you give people a minute to, to throw a player up and everybody uses that minute or comes close to it for some ridiculous reason you'd be spending over 200 minutes just nominating players so to keep the the time down you want to make sure you're only giving somebody 20 to 30 seconds to nominate what will happen is if they don't pick a player Whoever happens to be at the top of the list on that site is going to pop up as a, as a nomination automatically. Um, and then the, there's a bidding. <clears throat> you can also set the bidding time. So once once a player is put up and you put them up for a buck or 10 bucks or whatever it is, then there's only so many seconds that go by before that player is then purchased, right? Going once, going twice, going three times. Um, you want the interval, your bidding interval to be between 5 and 10 seconds so once a player has put up put somebody up and put a dollar tag on them you only want another 5 to 10 seconds for the rest of the league to react and put in a bid and then that player should be sold that'll keep the auction time down a bit auction is gonna take longer than the draft by quite a bit you're looking at three to four hours of excitement and tremendous Mm -hmm. fun in an auction you know draft might last you an hour and a half Um, you're gonna go at least three hours three and a half you could hit four Uh, especially in a newer if you got a newer group of people first time you do it it might take you four hours people will be waiting to the last minute to put in a bid they're a little more tentative putting players up Um, so it will take longer but it's what it's well worth it Um, well worth it so that's kind of the did I did I skip anything there uh, it sounded
0: good to me. That's I the... mean, it was it was a mouthful. It was a lot. but Yeah, I need a drink. Um, yeah, I think before we get into any analysis of anything, I just want to say that I think auctions are easily the best format. You said it before. You can pretty much do anything you want. You can have any player you want if you're willing to spend a certain amount, um, which is a lot of fun. I mean, there's so many different ways you can look at it. You can... You can have McCaffrey and Barkley if you want, or yeah. you can get them plus, I don't know, Michael Thomas. Like, you, you can do anything. Yeah, and it's, you
1: know, you were talking to me about um, some of the best ball drafts that you've been doing lately. <clears throat> and you said you're getting real tired every time you sign up for one of these things. You're getting the nine spot, the 10 spot, the 11 spot. You keep getting spots way down the end. Which really limits your, you know, you, there's only so many first-round players you can get. You can never get McCaffrey unless you get the number one pick in a draft. Yeah. So, but every single auction in the country, in the world, for God's sakes, every single auction, every single owner can own McCaffrey if they're the last person to bid. So it's just a different, um, it's a different thing. it's a, it's, it's just awesome awesome. All right. So, when you uh if you start researching auctions and and strategies that are out there, um there's probably four standard strategies that you'll see. All of these strategies can win you an auction league. They're just different ways to do it. Um one of the one of the strategies is called stars and scrubs. So, in the Stars and Scrub strategy, in a nutshell, you're gonna buy three or four premium players for a really high price, and then all you're gonna have left for your next 13 players is like one, two, three dollars. So you're gonna be bottom of the barrel scraping. But you know, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have McCaffrey, Kamara, and Galladay on your team with you know, a fourth guy, maybe uh, maybe Juju or somebody. And then the rest of your team is going to be $1 guys. You're going to be finding little value guys that you're hoping come through for you. Um, but you know you've got probably four players that are either first, second, or possibly third round picks in a regular draft. So stars and scrubs, spending all your money on the top end. Uh, another another approach is a balanced um balanced budget approach where you probably really don't spend over 40 bucks on any player, you're spending 20, 30 bucks, 10 bucks on a lot of players and you just have a pretty your whole starting lineup will be full of guys that are 10, 20, 30 bucks. Your top guy might be 40, so you've got a whole bunch of really good guys. You might not even have a stud. You won't have a real stud out of the bunch, but you're going to have way more higher mid high-end players um to use every week so you don't have all those scrubs on your bench coming in Uh, another another uh, approach you're going to see out there is just called value uh value auctioning so you just sit there during the auction and when you can tell that a guy isn't going for enough money you bid on that guy and you keep getting as many of those guys as you can. That you guy that you think is worth 30 bucks, you get him for 25. Another guy comes up, you think he's worth 12, but he's at six, so you bid seven, you get him for seven. So you keep getting guys at a price point that is less than what their true value is, and you try and fill your roster that way. Now you could end up with any mix of players. Uh, There there could be a high-end guy in there that just goes for a great value and it could be a bunch of middle guys Who knows but you're always getting value? So you're getting more for your money when you're done with that particular auction Your team might be worth two hundred and thirty five dollars But you only spent two hundred bucks on it if you went back and looked at what you thought the price value was on these guys and then the fourth thing that you'll see out there all over the place is um, positional bucketing so um, for each position, when you go into an auction, you say I'm going to spend uh, 40 bucks on my RB1. I'm going to spend 30 bucks on my RB2. I'm going to spend 30 bucks on my wide receiver one. And you've got these little buckets of money that you have um, set up for all of your positions. And then as you go through the auction, you you get whichever guy fits into that price, um, you know, that you're able to bid on and, and that you like. So those are the kind of the four generic um, approaches that are out there. <clears throat> now, Nick and I have been, been doing auction together for a long time. We, t- we team up. Um, and we do a mix of a bunch of those approaches. Um, in fact, we probably mix the position of buckets, the value approach, and the stars and scrubs um, all together uh, when we do our our auction.
0: Yeah. Um when it comes to looking at stars and scrubs I think I like that a lot because I think it helps the better fantasy player, the better team manager whatever that puts in the most work with knowing who is worth what and who should break out, who is undervalued, stuff like that. Um so obviously like we have gone two stud running backs every single year for the past five years now, I think spending yeah. 135, something around 130, 135 out of the $200 yeah. on <clears throat> two big backs. And from there, we just kind of like work our way down, but we've placed consistently for, I think, four out of the past five years doing that. Um, it's just, I, I think it makes auctioning more fun because like we've said multiple times now it's not something you could ever do unless you make a trade so being able to do that right out of the gate is a lot of fun and like i said it just brings more power to the better player
1: yeah for sure like it's a ton of fun to to look at your roster after you buy your first couple players and see that you've got On your board, you've got two players that are basically first-round draft picks. Now, you had to spend a lot of money to get them, but it's a real lot of fun to see that and then build your roster off of that. And prior to us kind of starting off that way, um, we used to do a a real balanced approach. Like I I had read up on what I thought was a great system of of doing a balanced um, roster, not spending too much in any one position and and just kind of hunting for values and and just doing that alone. And we came out of each auction thinking we did really good, but, um, you know, the impact players, when you do, when you really go after a balanced approach, you're not, you're not getting the impact players. People are paying up for those players and you need to get some of those players on your roster. Um, so we tried to do that balanced approach and We did not have good results at the end of the year. Multiple times we tried
0: it. I feel like the biggest problem with that is we have good floors across Mm. the board, but there wasn't a lot of ceiling because like you said, people are spending money for the guys that are gonna blow up. And we were just getting the guys that we knew would be good, sometimes great, but never amazing, never weak winning. And especially in our league, our auction league we have weekly prizes for highest points which is definitely another aspect of fantasy that we can get into at a different point in time but like doing stars and scrubs is also a good way to win weekly prizes if the lesser guys can hit which unfortunately never happens for us but (laughs) but throughout the season it works out because we know how to find the guys plus we have the big boom guys and that's why it's like we mix it instead of stars and scrubs, I like to call it stars and values because the guys that we're picking aren't scrubs. They may be scrubs to other people. They may be $2 guys to other people. But with what we know, the information we have, those guys are not scrubs. They're just undervalued. And then we end up reaping the benefits of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. So I think I think what we'll do here is we'll kind of go into um, – how Nick and I have been doing, have, how we've been planning for our auction the last couple of years and how we've created uh, buckets for each of our positions. We'll kind of give you a rundown here of what that looks like um, in case you want to do something similar to prep for an auction. A lot of this is real important too before we get into the specifics of, of what kind of dollar values we're giving to each position. That's more, that's more up to each individual, but we'll tell you what we did. But there's a bunch of steps here that, that you need to do before you even get to that, that I think everybody should do, no matter, no matter what system um, you're gonna use. And it all starts with uh, having, having your, your cheat sheet. So you need a cheat sheet uh, like you would normally have that tears out all of your, run, have it by position, running back, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, all in a different column. Have your players tiered out so you know here's my top four, here's my next six. You know, have your tiers set up and have each player or at least each tier have a price range attached to those to what you think the value of that player is going to be in your auction so that every single player on your cheat sheet, if someone were to throw somebody up, even if it's a, a scrub you know how much you think he's worth so you're not just guessing so and that's easy enough to do if you don't have to sit there with a calculator and try and come up with all these dollar values you just need to find a source out there that you trust use their cheat sheet use their dollar values they're going to be based off of two hundred dollars but verify it make sure that they're using a two hundred dollar budget most cheat sheets will but find one you like if you don't want to put your own together we do put ours together we do a lot of work putting dollar values to all of our guys Um, you can do research and and break your dollars down however you want but at least have a range of dollars per tier so you know that you know the tier of running backs that have Kenyon Drake, Jacobs, Chubb, Eckler that that tier uh, that tier is worth you know 30 to 40 bucks right so what we do and what I would suggest you actually do is put an actual dollar amount next to every single player um, instead of doing a range and now you've got an exact number you can go over it a little bit you hopefully you can you can get the guy for under it a little bit but at least you've got a number next to him that's, yeah that's the first
0: thing. yeah I would say that's probably everyone's biggest problem with auction is you start the you start the auction McCaffrey goes he goes for 70 bucks. Barkley goes, he goes for 65. And then someone puts up Tariq Cohen. Sure, Tariq Cohen, whatever. Oh shit, he's not worth fifty-five, is he? And it's kind of (laughs) like, do you like what do you do? Like some like if you're not prepared, we can look at it and say Tariq Cohen's worth six bucks. But if you don't know, then you could end up overpaying. You could be missing out of value. So knowing each individual player is super super important because it just it limits the risk and you're probably putting in more work than the rest of the people in your auction so it just gives you a huge advantage because you'll know you can roughly estimate based on like ADP when someone's going to be drafted but each each league is different when it comes to how much people are going to go for some leagues will spend $30 for seven different quarterbacks like that's probably hyperbole but you don't know and like our league specifically is very top heavy when it comes to quarterback so the top eight to ten guys will go for money and then after that it's like one and two dollars so you got to know you know how that works and I, I like something a lot that basically is value drafting and it's kind of like points per dollar and that's basically like why doing dollar amounts is so huge because you can you can calculate like say you spend ten dollars for a receiver that's going to put up 230 but then you have to pay 23 for a running back that's going to put up the same amount of points it's better to go with the receiver so if you budget properly and you figure out what players are going to maximize your outcome then that's Incredibly important. That's probably the biggest factor, in my opinion, in all of auctioning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so so get your cheat sheet. Have values next to your guys. You never with your pants down if somebody throws up uh, somebody just way down the list early. It's actually it's actually part of a strategy that we'll be talking about later, um, is putting some guys up in weird orders. But uh, we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. <clears throat> So after you've got your cheat sheet, you got your, your price breakdowns next to everybody. This this next one, Nick and I have been doing this for years now, and this is just an awesome thing to do, and you're gonna think it's overkill, but you're sitting there by yourself, maybe you got a partner, um, or maybe you just got someone that can help you. If you have you need another person to probably make this work, maybe you can do it yourself. But have a have your own draft board in the room with you buy one of these cheap draft boards with the stickers or just create your own little grid draft board and you can write names in as they get picked. But it's real important or real beneficial for you to see your opponent's rosters and how much they're spending on guys as the draft progresses. Now, the computer, you can see people's rosters on whatever site you're going to be on, but more than likely it's not. It doesn't look like a draft board. You got to click around to find it. It's a pain in the ass. If you have something sitting right in front of you on the wall, um it, my, I think the best example to me is is uh, if you have a, a, a board on the wall and somebody is bidding against you for a quarterback and you're you know you're a ways into the draft now. So some teams have four, five, six players. You're trying to get your first quarterback. And you, you're bidding on Carson Wentz and you're going against some, somebody and you look up at the board and the guy that's bidding against you already has two quarterbacks. That guy doesn't want Carson Wentz. He's bidding against you to drive up the price. So if you look at your cheat sheet now and you see that, well, geez, I could get Ryan. I could get Allen. I could get Brady. You know, once Wentz gets anywhere near his true value, stop bidding, let that guy take his third quarterback, and he just wasted all that money on a quarterback he's never going to use or he's going to have to try and trade. So if you don't have a board in front of you, you, you kind of don't really know the status of the, of the team, that's the guy that's bidding against you if you're going one-on-one, back and forth with somebody. Um,
0: well, for example, I don't know if it was intentional, but someone ended up with both Kelsey and Kittle, in our league last year and oh I mean
1: yeah I spoke to I spoke to Sam about that hey Sam so you know so uh part of part of this fellow's strategy was he wanted to grab Kelsey he grabbed Kelsey he paid you know uh, I don't know if it was I don't remember how much he paid probably around 30 or something yeah 30, 40 bucks it was up there and then Kittle came up sometime later and the bidding was stalling like around 18 19 bucks so he's looking at it going well bs i just paid 35 bucks for kelsey i cannot watch kittle go for 18 bucks so he got in on the bidding to help drive up the price and the the bidding just stopped on kittle so now he had to your point he ended up with kittle and kelsey he didn't didn't really want
0: that i remember i remember specifically looking at the board seeing he had kelsey and I mean, I doubt. I don't think we were bidding because that's not typically how we go. But, like, I looked at it, and I think I said to you, "He's gonna get stuck with both of them." I mean, stuck is not the worst thing in the world, no, because they're both great. Um, but it forces his flex, which is automatically a disadvantage. If, yeah. Like yeah. not being able to set your lineup exactly how you want is a problem.
1: <laughs> now, in in that example right there. What he, what <clears throat> it, it hurt him a little bit in his roster construction because, like you said, one of those two players now has to be a flex every single week. However, he did get a great value on Kittle. There's no doubt in my mind that the price we had on Kittle was much higher than the price he ended up paying for him. Yeah. But, um, you know, you, you could tell by looking at the board that he didn't, he wasn't really going after Kittle. Uh, now, there are, there are some folks that might go after two tight ends as a strategy, but
0: um, he wasn't doing that. I will say something about the board is it's kind of like having a battle station. It's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. Oh, it's fun. Like, yeah. you know, dad is normally on the computer, and I'm sitting at the desk with all the stickers in front of me. Like, I'm working the board. The board is my project. So it's a lot of fun as well just to fill it out. I think it's it adds an element to it. And it just makes the auction even more fun than it already is. Yeah.
1: Be super challenging, I think, if I was trying to do that by myself. So um, I certainly wouldn't be using a board with stickers where I got to find people's names and stick them on the board, which is what Nick does. But <clears throat> I would I would try it. If I was doing it solo, I think I would just have a blank board and I'd write the names in to each team as I was going along and, and, their, and how much they paid for them. Um, yeah. But it is... It is way more fun um let's see what else do i have oh price protecting so price protecting or price enforcing uh we just talked about it a little bit with the uh the example of kittle um you should do some of this but you have to be very careful um to to make sure that so what what is price protecting or price enforcing so Somebody throws a player up, uh, let me
0: find... Well, so instead of doing that, we can just talk about Kittle, like what we were just talking about. Yeah. You are talking about how Sam was bidding him up because he thought that he was worth more. Yeah,
1: his value was way more, right. His value, he was worth more than what he was going for. So um, generally speaking... You, The best case scenario for you to do the price protecting or enforcing is when you have the position available to you and you'll be happy to collect that player right. for a value if yeah. you win the
0: bid. Yeah, the, the, I think the most important thing about that is making sure you're putting money on someone you actually want. Right. Because if you're, say, bidding up Amari Cooper and you don't like Amari Cooper, then you're going to be pissed when you get him for 35 when he should have gone for 37. Yeah. Like you get a value, but it's not necessarily someone you want on your roster. So you have to be a little careful with it. But for example, one time we were bidding, I think it was the first year I ever did fantasy and we were bidding up Arian Foster. And our plan was not to go top running back. Mm-hmm. It was to go spend money on wideouts and then get couple $20 backs and hope they work out and then we got stuck with Foster for 40 bucks and it just so happened to be the best year of his entire career you were so pissed and I was pissed I remember because I was was the
1: one so I was the one clicking the button right I'm the one that's putting the bid in and you're going no
0: no don't put any more don't put any more and
1: And I put that one dollar on and we got him yeah and I said don't worry he's a top 10 running back that's true It worked out. Uh, And that's an example as well of, so that's price protecting, You know, bidding a guy up to make sure he gets to his value up to the point where you're willing to pay for him because you could get him. Um, The other thing is if you do get somebody like that, so we got Arian Foster for a high price that year. Uh, We wanted to go after wideouts for a high price. Well, as soon as that happened, our strategy had to change. So that's one thing in an auction be prepared to change your strategy yeah, you on have to the be fly.
0: Very versatile. You got to have <clears throat> contingency plan among contingency plan. I mean for us it's not awful because of the way we do it with buckets. So if we have a $20 receiver bucket and a $40 running back bucket and then we go 40 on receiver for some reason, then we could easily just flip-flop it. It doesn't always work that way, but I think that's why the bucket strategy is the best yeah, approach yeah. because you can just allocate, you can allocate the funds and then make it work instead of, and that's,
1: that's almost a perfect segue. I just got one more thing to talk about before I'll go we get for to it. The buckets. Yeah. <laughs> so the
0: one, the one
1: last point I had here before we talk about what we did like last year and the year before and our specific buckets and all that is, so I think we talked about it in a couple of different points here. Find values. You know the price of the guys. You've got your cheat sheet. Here's what they're worth. Find values throughout the auction. Be open-minded and go after guys unless you hate them. If you hate them, just cross them off your list and don't even bid on them. But find values, go after them. Also, if there's guys you love, and a guy is listed at fifteen dollars and you really love them, don't be afraid to go eighteen dollars. If you have just because it says fifteen on your sheet and that's where you have them, spend a couple extra bucks in an auction setting. Only get players you like. Like, get yeah. players you like and you want to have and you want to root for because you can. This yeah. is the place you can Exactly.
0: Do. And, like, last year we had... What was it? Get... At, at one point it was like get Zeke at all costs. Hmm. We were going to pay what we had to pay to get him. Yeah. That was a little different because I'm pretty sure we were just targeting, like, a top tier of running backs. Yeah. I could be wrong on that. I don't well, really remember. <clears throat>
1: so... Yes, our 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 strategy last year was to get like two of the top four running backs, and we were willing to spend sixty to sixty five on each one of those running backs. And I think in in the Zeke case, the other where the other guys were gone, and Zeke was the last one left.
0: I think so. I think it was. Or
1: or was it that we just wanted to pair up Zeke with any one of the other three?
0: No, because we wanted McCaffrey. Oh yeah, and yeah, then he yeah. yeah. went for so, too much. <clears throat> So yeah, so that's what we did.
1: So last year, um, our buckets, uh, yeah, this is and this is may not be exact, but basically we said, okay, we want two top five running backs. We're willing to pay 60 bucks a piece for each of those. Okay? So we created RB1, 60 bucks. There's our bucket. RB2, 60 bucks. Okay, so we went over, and said, alright, so we're gonna have two stud running backs, so now what are we gonna be able to do at wide receiver? And we had something like this. We had our first receiver, we're gonna spend 20 bucks. So we're gonna to have to go down the list a bit. We might have ended up spending more, I don't remember how it
0: went. But. It was like 18 for locking.
1: Alright, so 20 bucks in the first wide receiver bucket, then 10, wide receiver three, eight, wide receiver four, five. Our RB three was seven. Our QB, I have $10 here on the bucket. I don't know if that's what we did last year, but that's a, a fair amount. So we're going to spend $10 on a QB, $5 on a tight end. So our starting, our starting lineup would be RB1 60 bucks, RB2 60 bucks, wide receiver 120, wide receiver 210, wide receiver 38, and then RB3 was seven, and wide receiver four was five. So those two guys are fighting for the flex spot right quarterbacks 10 bucks tight ends five bucks defense and kicker only one buck can never spend more than one buck on a defense or kicker
0: yeah
1: never spend more than one buck on a defense or kicker all right then we have never spend more than one dollar on a defense
0: or a kicker very important
1: don't that's, waste a dollar
0: it's crazy Don't waste two dollars. there's gonna be people in our league listening to this and then they're gonna do it <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna someone's gonna put up um, Harrison Bucker and then he's gonna go for four bucks yeah and that's three dollars wasted because every dollar matters in an auction people could say eh what is what is two dollars for a kicker that's a dollar you can't put into a position player and a big part of a big part of getting the guys you want in an auction late is being able to drop the hammer and
1: yeah for if, sure
0: if you have that extra dollar over everybody else at the end of an auction you can get whoever you want at that point once you have the power you can just put in a two bid when everyone else's highest bid is a dollar and then you get the guy you want.
1: Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be times throughout the auction that you're going to get outbid by $1, you know, wherever that is it gets to a certain price and then you stop. So you got beat by $1 and maybe later you wish you had a dollar to go one more, but if if the draft, I mean if the auction's all over and and you you spent all your money and you didn't spend anything extra on a defense or a kicker, then you know you went as far as you could go on every single player, and and that's a pretty good feeling. Um, Our bench, we have some money allocated to our bench as well. Uh, In this case, we have six bench spots. So we had a $5, three, a two, and three of our bench spots were allocated $1. Um, And what I suggest you do is have what we call an extra or overflow bucket. And that overflow bucket is where you can bank money off to the side whenever you spend less than what your original bucket purchase was supposed to be. So let me give you an example there. Let's say our RB2 that we were supposed to spend 60 on, we got a guy for 55 that's going to fill in that slot that we're happy with we spent 55 instead of 60 so now we have five extra dollars that we can slap on another player somewhere so what we like to do is take that five bucks and put it in our little extra bucket so now when we're bidding on our wide receiver one we're bidding on somebody we really like we've got 20 bucks in the wide receiver one bucket we're bidding on someone we really like and we gets all the way up to 20 but we look down and we see we got five bucks in our extra bucket. So now we can keep going. We can bid 21. We can go 23 when we get, when someone bids 22 up against us. So what we do is keep a little what we call the extra bucket off on the side. So anytime you get a value so it fills your spot for less than your bucket amount, put that money in there so that you can then use it anywhere you need to use it to upgrade a spot. Uh, it's really valuable to have a sheet of paper next to you and to have these buckets all written down and as you fill each one, cross off that number and then either put money into your extra bucket or if you have to overspend, you got to take money out of the extra bucket or take it straight out of one of your other, one of your other spots if you feel more comfortable that way. If, you had to, if we had to spend $65 on our RB2, then we need to take five bucks away from somewhere. Now, if it's really early in the auction, you don't necessarily have to figure out where you're going to save that five bucks. Put yourself a negative five in your bucket so you know somewhere we need to save five bucks. So keep an eye on that. Figure out where you can do it. And over time, you might slowly chip away on that as you you, know, you, you get a quarterback for two bucks later on in the draft. You were supposed to spend ten. And you get a guy for two because you decide not to go after any of the top five or six quarterbacks. And you just wait till you get one for two. Now you've got your five bucks back and three extra. And you just keep track of that. And keep, po- keep putting it wherever you need it. <clears throat> and to Nick's point, if you can, if you can keep shaving a buck here and there and throw it down to your bench so that those $1 bench spots that you have for the end of the auction turn into $2 bench spots... And maybe a $3 bench spot, it makes it really easy at the very end when you're filling out your bench to be able to pick up guys and overbid your your opponents that didn't save money for the end game. So that's that's pretty key. Just keep swapping that money around as you go through. And if you organize it in this fashion, you'll be able to stay on top of exactly what you're doing.
0: Yeah, something I actually wanted to say about the quarterbacks is we have a $10 bucket, supposedly, but I feel like it never really actually goes that way. That's kind of a worst case scenario thing. Or if there's a guy that we think is worth more than 10, that is going for a value that we're okay with sticking with. But that doesn't normally happen. In the past, we've gone a dollar or two on guys like Russell Wilson, who ended up being a top guy, top five, something like that. We've Gone to Romo in the past, who was always between 5 and $6. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah we,
1: we, we always end up with those guys that are hovering in the rankings somewhere around 10th, 11th, 12th best quarterback. And quite frankly, you can probably go 16, 17 deep, and any one of those guys could end up being a top 10 and jump up even closer yeah. to the top five. Seriously deep, seriously equal um, talent after the top six or seven guys, eight guys.
0: A guy in the past that is probably the poster boy of $1 quarterbacks that are worth more than that, in my opinion, is Phillip Rivers. And this year is different because he's on a new team, so we're not positive on what he's going to do. I mean, he's been on the Chargers his whole career besides now, so... but. Every every single year he'd go for a dollar because he's the boring pick. He's not Mahomes. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Carson Wentz. I can go on and on about all the guys that people like to bid on just because they're flashier guys. But someone like Philip Rivers is just consistently a dollar, and he gives you exactly what you need week to week. But he can blow up. Um, so I don't like spending a lot on quarterback, typically. I don't really think it's worth it based on what I was saying before the the points per dollar because looking at the 10th quarterback as opposed to the 18th they may be different in projected rankings by a dollar but their price can be around $10 apart. So why would you spend more money if you can get the same points for $8 less?
1: Yeah, and if you're pricing if you're putting those little prices next to your guys on your cheat sheet, you're going to see that you're going to come to this bunch of guys. You're going to come to Tom Brady, Jones, Mayfield, Burrow, Stafford, Breeze. It, they're all going to have the same little little baby number next to them. And if you get that far down on the list, it doesn't matter which one of those guys you get. Um, they're going to be adequate. You can win with those guys. Use the, use the excess money to upgrade one of your wide receivers, one of your running backs, maybe maybe even your tight end. Um yeah. Yeah. And never never end the auction with any extra money left that's huge in your wallet. That's huge. As you're going through the auction, don't be so focused on values that you keep waiting to spend your money. When yeah. it's, you know, pull the trigger, spend a little extra when you have to. Don't end up with five bucks left at the end of the auction. Someone
0: ended with six last year.
1: Yeah, it happens every year, and and, uh, for various reasons, none of none of which are good. I don't even know what the reasons are, but I think it's because people just wait a little bit too long to to pull the trigger on on guys they want. They end up spending, they end up buying their last five or six guys for for one or two bucks, and they end up with a bunch of money left over. So they could have. Instead of having a $10 wide receiver, too, they could have had a $16 wide receiver, too. I and mean, that can be a big difference. It can be a big difference. Um, so that's that's kind of how we've done ours um, the last couple of years, and it's been pretty successful. So moving off the, the roster bucket stuff, um, talk a, just a minute or two about, <clears throat> and this is kind of minor, I guess, but still the strategy of what guy you're gonna put up when it's your turn to put somebody up, right? So you don't really think much about it. Ah, yeah, throw a guy up and start bidding. But but if you put a little bit of thought into who you want to put up next, uh it can go a long way for you. Yeah. Um one of the one of the favorite tactics um I think for us, especially in this situation, okay, we, we just bought two uh, super expensive running backs and now it's our turn to put somebody up. So a strategy we like to do is find the next best running back that's available and put them up and let the room spend, start spending their money spend money on the next running back. maybe put up the best quarterback so that somebody will spend you know 25 bucks on the quarterback. Um, put some guys up, That you don't necessarily want, but you know is going to start drawing money out of your opponent's wallets to try and get you back in the game. You spend a lot early on, you're going to have to have some patience before you really can probably purchase another player. So you might as well throw some guys up there that you know you can't buy, but is going to be very popular in the room and someone's going to spend a lot
0: of money on that guy. the, um, The more people spend, the easier it is to get values. So I think patience is the biggest part of an auction. Now that I think about it, you got to have patience. You got to be able to know some people just get click happy and they're sick of sitting there for 35 minutes without acquiring a player. So they're just going to bid and get someone because they're sick of sitting there and that's the wrong way to do it. Also end game can be much more impactful than people think in an auction and in a draft, of course. But if you can have the patience to wait until the end and carefully get the guys you want at the end of a draft, that's huge. So you just got to stay checked in. There's some people that finish an hour before the auction finishes because they want to go to bed. So <laughs> they fill their roster as quick as they can. And then I'm sure there's guys they like in there, but yeah, I I' someone last year checked out Super, super early. I don't know. They just kept buying people over and over and over again. And then they were gone. Yeah. But that makes you miss out on some super late guys that you never had a chance to get in the first place. Yep,
1: for sure. So put put big guys up there to draw money out when you don't want those guys. Another thing to do is, uh, and this, this works good, I think, early in the auction, is put a surprise value guy up there like like what we talked about a little earlier. Um, if you want to take a, take a risk that the room is not going to understand how much Marvin Jones is worth and you've got the third, you're the third person to put a player up in the auction room and you know, the first guy goes up is McCaffrey. Then, then somebody throws up, uh, Michael Thomas. Now it's your turn and you throw up Marvin Jones. I guarantee you 50% of the league. It's just not going to bid. Right. Nobody, they, they don't know if they want to spend money on Marvin yeah, Jones. They don't know what the rest of their roster looks like. Right. They don't know what Marvin Jones' value is because no other wide receivers have been sold except for Michael Thomas. And you, it's really hard to compare Marvin Jones to Michael Thomas and figure out what his value yeah. should be. And this is where your sheet comes in handy if you've got the prices
0: there. Plus, who wants, who's worried about their probably third receiver. Sure. Like we used the option of Tariq Cohen earlier, which is probably someone's third running back or a flex yeah, at best. So like it's disorienting and there's always the risk that that player goes for more than they should because everyone has so much money. But I feel like more often than not, it's probably, it's probably, they're probably going to go for a value just because it's so random.
1: Sure. You put the random guy up. So two things can happen. You put the random guy up, um, he's worth nine or ten bucks. So you throw him up there for a buck. No one knows what to do. Someone goes two. He gets up to about five, and then it stops. You win the player for five. He was worth nine or ten. You're able to throw him in your wide receiver three spot or your, your flex spot bucket. You even save two bucks, and you throw that into your extra money bucket now. So it's like a win-win. Now, the, the opposite can also happen. So if it's a player you really, really like, That you think you can get for a value at some point in the auction this is not the time to throw them up so if it's someone you really really like so everyone's got all their money so the the flip side of this could be you throw up Marvin Jones he's worth nine or ten but people start bidding on him and he goes up to 15 because everyone's got a bunch of money in their pockets and nobody really knows what he's worth so they they bid they stop at 15 16 and, and so now he's overbid you don't get him right yeah. because because of of you don't want to pay that extra over his value so if it's someone you really like and you think he's going to go cheaper later on then wait yeah. but if it's if it's someone you're more than happy to have in your flex or your third wide receiver spot you don't care if you lose him or not you can give it a try just right. throw him up there
0: and go ah. so going going to the other side where you're talking about them going more than they should mm. there's a strategy of putting someone up you don't like that you want to see be overbid. And if you listened, whoever you are, if you listened to our past podcasts, you know we don't like Rob Gronkowski this year. But for some reason, people like him. So you know what? He might be five bucks on ESPN, but you put him up at the third spot. And I guarantee, because of his hype, because of what he used to do, He's going to go for double what he should. Yeah. And there's, there's other players too. Like you put up a big name, but not the biggest name. I feel like it's a really good way to also get money out of the player pool.
1: Yep. Yep. It's a good, it's a good strategy. Um, and then the, other, the the third thing we have here as a strategy for putting up players is if you like a defense or if you like a kicker. Now, we already told you, don't spend more than $1.00. So the only way you're ever gonna get a kicker or a defense for one dollar is if you're the one putting them up and putting them up for one dollar. Right. So go ahead and put up your favorite defense, put up your favorite kicker, put them up for a dollar. If someone else goes two, they just wasted a dollar. You lost the top kicker on the board, perhaps, but if you keep doing that over and over again, sooner or later someone's gonna let you get your kicker. If they don't, they're paying an extra buck. So again, you're sucking money out of the wallet of yeah. your opponents. You literally for a position, they shouldn't be spending any extra money
0: on. You can't lose with that strategy, and I, I feel like we do that a lot. We do do that a lot. We <laughs> do it a
1: lot with defenses.
0: Also, there's a part of there's a part of putting up players that it can kind of show your hand a little bit. So if you keep putting up players over and over again that you want, and you keep bidding on them, then people are going to know you want this guy or that guy. So putting up a kicker makes you entirely neutral except people know that you probably want that kicker <laughs> so you're going to keep doing it till you, you fill your kicker spot but you got to be careful with who you put up because if all you do is put up guys you want to end up with then I think people may be keen enough to understand that I, I don't really pay attention to that stuff very often personally but um, it is definitely something that you should think about when you're putting up your players
1: yeah for sure and then you were talking about the end game. And I think this is the last thing we need to touch on here. When you get to the end game and you're filling your bench and you're down to... Oh, so let me let me back up a notch. So when you're in these auction rooms and you're doing your auction, there's going to be a setting somewhere on your screen that allows you to either show everybody's how much everybody's got for money left. That's one option. Or it shows you what their highest bid can be. And I would suggest that you put it on that. Always be looking at the highest bid that your opponent can throw out there, especially when you get to the end game. So everyone's got enough money to spend two, three, maybe four bucks on a guy. The rest, the rest of their guys would be like a buck. Um, you want to know what your opponent's highest bid is. So if your maximum bid that you can put in in on a player. You have three players left. You can purchase one, two, and you have six dollars. So the highest you can bid is four on a player, and then you'll have a dollar left and a dollar left. So if you if you if you have a, a favorite guy out there when you're down to your last two or three players and you want to, you're not worried about spending that four bucks. No one, if no one else in your uh any of your opponents can beat your four or and this is important to understand too if there's another if there is another owner that's max bid is also four and you really want a player whoever that player may be at that point is important to you and you want them when it's and it's your turn to put up put them up and put them up for the full four so that you just get that player don't mess around. You got someone else in that room that can put, you put them up for one. If your opponent immediately puts them up for four, you just lost the player that you wanted. So keep an eye on that. Make sure you know what you can do. You know, um, if your max bid is two, that's, that's great too. Because anytime a player goes up for one, you can just quickly throw that two up there. Um, But always be aware of what your max bid is at the end and what everybody else's max bid is. And I tend to look at that. Once we get down to only having four or five players left to purchase, I like to be really patient at that point. Let a lot of players go until everybody else's money starts to come down. If there's a lot of players, if there's a lot of owners out there that have more money than us, then I'm very leery about putting up players that I actually want to to win because there's too many guys out there that can outbid me. So that's where that patience comes in again when you're down to your last four or five guys. When you're down to your bench guys.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually have one more thing. If, yeah. If you're all set. Yep. Um, and this is both auction and and in in normal drafting. So that's why I'm kind of saving it for last, but. Take advantage of auto drafters and don't be one because in auction especially, you're going to get stuck with guys that you want, I mean don't want, you might get guys you want, but you're probably going to get stuck with guys that you don't want for a lot more money than you would have spent on them anyway. Yeah.
1: So the way the algorithms generally work on these auction sites if you're on if you end up going on auto or if one of your opponents is on auto and they don't have their queue set up in a particular way that 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 puts a price on everybody and stops the bidding for them at that point the usually these sites will go up to 20% over what the actual site value is for a player, or it could stop at 20% under. Um, but typically, what we've seen happen when guys have gone on auto is that they bid, they keep bidding over, you know, the site will have a price next to every player. And if you're on auto, it's going to bid you up to that price and it's going to go over that price. Um, so there's been a couple of unfortunate guys in our league in the past that um, got disconnected or couldn't get online. And sure enough, they ended up purchasing the first three or four players thrown up because they went for a good 5 $6 over what the price was on the site, and it was too
0: high. Yeah. So you don't want to be stuck in that situation. Yeah. Um, I actually I lied about having that being the last point. Yeah, there's I, another one. I have one more thing. I know. This one, <laughs> I got one more thing. Oh my gosh. So um,
1: so Josh or Rob, if you're listening to this, this is the time for you to shut off this podcast.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned a while back you can put up players for however much you want. It doesn't have to be a dollar. Or even if, it's, if someone has put up for a dollar, they're going five, six, seven. you can plug in 20 and just jump it right to 20. You can do that. What you can also do is... And we've seen before You can accidentally put in 120 And you're guaranteed to get the player You're going to win the player So (laughs) we've had someone put 120 On Antonio Brown before And this season especially You probably don't want to put 120 On Antonio Brown Back then Not the worst accident But very very bad But he, he showed up But we've also had someone put up $36 Thirty six dollars on Pierre Garcon, which is probably overpaying for him, even at his peak. Maybe not. Not sure.
1: Yeah, but, it it ruined that fellow's oxygen. So, too.
0: but yeah. the problem with that was thirty six was his max bid. So everything else after that had to be a dollar. And you can guess that neither of these people did anything good <laughs> that in those seasons. Yeah, they
1: got it was un it was unfortunate, and you know. If you're running a league um, and ah, see, it's really unfortunate. So I, I run that league and my, my philosophy as soon as the auction starts is I am no longer the commissioner. I am an owner in this thing. We're, we're all on our own now. Um, if you get disconnected, uh, we're not, we don't stop the draft. We don't stop the auction rather. Um, so because I had had that rule out there that just said there's no take backs, there's no pausing, there's no going back, um, there's no waiting, it's pretty sad. Once of it you. starts, I know I, I'm a ruthless commissioner, you but, gotta be though. I am, but too. once it starts, <laughs> like father,
0: like fantasy, I don't right?
1: want to, you know, like, <laughs> um, now people could text me and ask me questions during the auction if they weren't sure about a rule or something, but. You know, I'm not guaranteeing you. I'm gonna pick up my phone and take my focus off the auction to try and to try and jump in there. So, um, yeah, and it happened to one fellow one year, and then the precedent was set. We wouldn't go back. We didn't want to go back and reset it. We continued on. And then, if it doesn't happen again, like the very next year with the $120 bid on Antonio Brown, and you know, I felt really bad about it, but at the same time I mean it could happen to me if I accidentally bid a hundred bucks on a guy I can't just shut it off because I'm the commissioner go back fix it put the guy back up and start over again you just you just can't do that so um, if you want to take the other route make sure you talk about it before the auction you you should as a commissioner you should probably let everyone know how you're gonna handle things if there's a mistake are you gonna stop and go back and fix it Or are you gonna be like me and just say, listen, I'm just another owner from this point until this auction's over, uh, so let's go. And nothing goes back. Um, Yeah, so be careful. Be careful punching in your numbers if you're not just going up one dollar at a time.
0: Right, so to summarize this whole entire episode, I would say stay patient, know what people are worth, and keep putting up kickers.
1: Yep. Once yeah. in a while a
0: defense. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You have anything else?
1: That's it. That was a mouthful, man.
0: Oh, yeah. It was a long episode, so if you did listen to all of it, thank you. It means a lot because an hour is a long time to listen to a podcast. I understand that. But it's hard for us especially, but to to talk about this in less than an hour would not be doing any type of strategy podcast it's true justice
1: we probably could have talked longer but yeah i think think we hit on all the main stuff yeah
0: um so thank you please like share dislike if you dislike it you know we don't want people to lie to us i mean if there's anything we can work on let us know um yeah yeah Ah! (laughs) all right peace out